right, what's going on, everybody? On today's episode, we're going to discuss what is heresy, and I'm going to give a brief definition of what the doctrine of the Trinity is and what we got coming up soon. Stick around. Coming up next. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another, for his name's sake. Prescribe truth, we giving you what the doctor ordered. Jamal Bandy, apologist, the Lord's servant. We undeserve it, but Christ changed our mind frame. In a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Prescribing Truth Podcast right here on YouTube at Prescribe Truth. If you're new to this channel and if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and hit the notification bell on the side where you'll be notified when I have new and upcoming content. If you're listening to this on your podcast apps, please, please, please leave a rating and a review and let me know what you think about the show. This really helps us out a lot. Um, and we're available on all your favorite iOS and Android podcast apps. Just recently, just found out that I'm on Spotify and iHeartRadio. So if that's where you like to listen to a podcast at, please check us out on there as well. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me, you could do so by leaving an email at prescribed.truth at gmail.com. Or you can call in and leave me a voicemail at 801-980-6333. Um, also, if you want to support the show in a financial way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. At patreon.com forward slash prescribed truth. They have different reward tiers starting at a dollar and going up. Some of the things that we offer is live um, take, um, access to the live tapings of the show where we have a Q&A afterwards. Um, monthly uh, Google Hangout sessions where we can get together, have a Bible study and chop it up. Um, I really like that. I like to interact with people. Um, get the $20 and up Patreon slot. Hold on a second. I got to show you. So my $20 up patrons receive a t-shirt and we have different designs here. You can go to the side. Matter of fact, I got more designs that's on the website and you can find the website link on the description. Um, but that's all that's not shown here, but you can check, you can you can choose whatever design you want to pick and that'd be it for that, for that month. And so you can opt out at any time. So you can hit up $20 and get the t-shirt. And then you can opt out for the following month or drop down to a, another um, tier. It's great. Oh, yeah. And also the $20 on um, Mark, you can um, send in video questions. So not only can you have questions answered on the show, but you can send on a video question. And I have it aired on the show. Uh, what we're going to be dealing with today is uh, what is heresy? Uh, I thought it'd be good, especially after dealing with the uh, Carter Pearson um, video, giving a review of Come Sunday. I want to do a video about what is heresy and what would deem somebody a heretic. Um, I thought that was very important that we discuss those things and just get to the nitty gritty. And then uh, leave it up to you guys to respond and let me know your thoughts and we can dialogue about it. So, uh, oh, before I get there. I got to share with you some encouraging um, uh, interactions that I had today. So I received a phone call uh, at the number that's in the description. And uh, it's, a, it's a lady from Tulsa, Oklahoma, who's familiar with Carlton Pearson and his ministry. 
um, who was around during all that time when everything came out and just turned into inclusionism. And um, we had a great conversation. Um, I admit that when I seen the um, the call and I seen where it was coming from, I thought somebody was calling me to wring my neck about Carson Pearson. But it was the exact opposite. Uh, she called to give me encouragement and gave me a lot of background information um, concerning those issues and what took place then. And it was interesting. She actually been to Rwanda herself. Uh, you know, this was said in the movie how this was giving him his turn towards inclusionism because he's seen all the things that going on in Rwanda. Uh, but she actually been there and she showed me pictures and everything. Uh, man, and she even said that there are Christians in Rwanda. And if they was to hear, knowing they've been through the genocide, if they was to hear the conclusion that he came up with, that they too would have been against it. And they were in the trouble. Man, it was encouraging, man. Uh, so, yeah, so I encourage you as well. The number works. <laughs> you can call in. We can chop it up. If I'm not able to answer at the time, leave a voicemail. I'll get back with you. It's all good. Or send me an email. So, uh, what is heresy? So, by definition, uh, heresy is any teaching that goes against orthodox teaching or what's held as orthodox teaching. Now, if orthodox teaching is simply the result of man's own uh, creativity and coming up with his own things, then anything could be heresy. But this is why as Christians, we hold the Bible as being our ultimate standard and authority. And so when it comes to the word of God, this is where we derive our doctrine from. And so orthodox beliefs are derived from the scriptures. Uh, it's not coming from somebody making it up, of somebody waking up one day saying they heard the Lord said, and then just giving it to people. Orthodox teaching comes from the doctrines of scripture. Now that goes into the virgin birth. Um, the person of Jesus, uh, the fact that Jesus is God and man in the flesh, um, the fact that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, um, and by grace alone. Uh, what else is orthodox? Uh, oh, the fact that God being, there's only one God, not multiple gods that we believe in. Um, this is not polytheism, this is monotheism. Uh, even the Trinity, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. And so, um, yeah, these are Orthodox Christian beliefs. You know, so anything outside of Orthodoxy will be considered heresy. Now, there are people who teach heresy out of ignorance. You know, and these people, there's grace shown to them and they just need to be shown the truth or God has yet to reveal this truth to them. Because there are some truths in Scripture, uh, a lot of truths in Scripture, actually that we won't be able to get unless the spirit himself opens our eyes to be able to see it. And that's just the truth. I mean, it's plain as day right there in the text, but our eyes are blinded to it. Even the disciples who walk with Jesus, the word says that he had to open their eyes so they could understand the scriptures. So whatever was written in the Torah and the old Testament, and the prophets, the disciples couldn't even understand to really see who Jesus is until the Lord opened their eyes to see. And so um, this is the reality of what it is. And so, um, yeah, so heresy is any teaching outside of orthodoxy. Now, what makes somebody a heretic? Okay. 
Let's take some time here. Let's think about this. When it comes to making somebody a heretic, it is because, not because they're just teaching heresy in and of itself, it is because they have been shown the truth, they've been walked through through the scriptures, and yet they reject it. That's a heretic. So, according to my uh, review of Carlton Pearson in the Come Sunday review, he's a heretic because he was shown the truth. Uh, he was given instruction. He was given scripture to show how his reasoning was wrong, yet he rejected it based on his own arrogance. That makes him a heretic. Now, uh, that movie did no justice for how that council actually took place, but you can find it on YouTube. They actually aired the, the actual footage of when Carlton Pearson was uh, presenting his doctrine and the response of the bishops. Very interesting. I would encourage you to check it out. Um, but yeah, and so this will make somebody a heretic. And that's an example of what makes somebody a heretic. Now, uh, how do I say this? There are people who teach heresy, and I wouldn't consider them a heretic because, like I said, they may be teaching out of ignorance and not have shown the truth. Now, if you're familiar with my background, if you looked at my testimonials, uh, I used to uh, preach and, um, and serve as an elder role, as what we would call elder back then, um, which is not elder, considering how the Bible teaches. But anyway, um, I used to teach and preach. And what I was teaching and preaching then was heresy. Now, I was living and I was operating in what I was taught to be true concerning the word. But as the Lord grew me in the scriptures, and as, as I began to be uh, hear the gospel and understand the gospel message and grow in the word of God, those false teachings and ideologies that I had slowly but surely was purged out of me. And so that would be an example of somebody who teaches heresy, but not necessarily a heretic. Okay. Now, if, if I was, if I was shown the truth and somebody gave me scripture and I saw the scripture and I said, no, this can't be the truth. I don't want to preach this. I'm not teaching that. I'm going against that. Then that would have made me a heretic. And so that's the truth of the matter. So, um, Think, let me know what you think about that. Um, heresy. And what is a heretic? Or who will be considered a heretic? So, some heretics that are out there today. Because I consider Joel Osteen a heretic. Yes, he has a great big following. And he's a smiling preacher. And he may be very sincere in what he teaches. But he has been shown. He has been, he has been shown that he's wrong. He's been challenged. He's been reached out to concerning the teachings that he get, that he does. And yet, nothing changes. He continues to teach his false doctrines. He's considered a heretic. Um, who else? Creflo Dollar. You know, in the, um, in the late uh, uh, Eddie Long. These people have been challenged and shown that, they've te that they're teaching wrong. That their doctrines were false, yet they never changed. Their teachings remained the same. Now, Eddie Long, he's he's dead now. I pray that before he died, that he repented 
You know what I'm saying? That, I don't know that. But I hope he did. I hope he repented and put his trust in true Christ. Um, that's my hope for him. Um, but yeah, and so for the ones who are still living, Creflo Dollar still preaches a false doctrine. Joel Osteen still preaches a false doctrine. T.D. Jakes teaches a, teaches a gospel message that's not true. He teaches heresy. And he'll be considered a heretic. And so, yeah. Now, I know some of y'all, Tranquilo, you may be very great T.D. Jakes fans. I'm sorry. But you look at what he teaches, and you compare the scripture, not your emotions. Doesn't line up. And when it comes to being challenged, he don't want to hear anything. No, he doesn't. So, anywho, that's that concerning uh, heresy and heretics. So, keep in mind, for the last time, heresy will be anything that goes outside of orthodox teaching. Okay? Cool. Now, what are we dealing with now? My favorite, my favorite subject in all of the Christian faith. Why is this my favorite subject? I'll tell you why. I'm glad you asked. So, it's the doctrine of the Trinity. Why is this my favorite? Well, I grew up, or I came up, in uh, oneness Pentecostalism. Now, I didn't know anything about these terms back then. If you would have asked me in 2009 that I was a oneness Pentecostal, I would have said, I don't know, because I wasn't given that term. I wasn't told that. We just taught that there was one God, and Jesus uh, had God in him. He died on the cross, and it's because of him that we have power. You know, that's just a very vague summary of what we taught about God. And so... When I was challenged concerning the doctrine of the Trinity, um, after uh, hearing the gospel, I didn't, I mean, it was, to me, it was like a play on words. I know what Matthew 28 says, uh, when Jesus says, uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when I hear people say Trinity, I think about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, if you told me there were three separate persons or so on and so forth, I don't know. You know, to me, it felt like it was a play on words. People just making a big deal over words. You know, but I couldn't explain it. So, um, just briefly, this is, this is a long story, but I'm trying to make it short. So, how I come to understand the doctrine of the Trinity is that a friend of mine uh, reached out to me and she was uh, talking to a Muslim. And she asked me, Jamal, do you know what the Trinity is? And I was like, well, I heard of it. And I was like, I don't know much about it. I said, but I'll look it up and I'll get back with you. That should be a message for some of you out there. There's nothing wrong with admitting that you don't know something and that you'll get back to somebody. Cool. And so I did. I went to people that I knew who knew more about the Bible than I did. And it was one particular man I went to. And I asked him, what is the Trinity? I had a friend ask me about it. And I don't know. Could you give me some scripture to show me the Trinity in the Bible? Well, I didn't know. 
at the time, he was one as himself. And so he was giving me a whole bunch of scripture showing me that God is one. You know, uh, Deuteronomy 6, uh, 6, 4, um, and uh, other scriptures like that. In, in the New Testament, where Jesus says, I and the Father are one, John 10. I want to say John 10, 30, uh, or 31, one of them. And so, like, he gave me all these scriptures, how Jesus and the Father are one, how God is one, and so on and so forth. I mean, I had a, I wish I still had that paper today, but it was like a page full of scriptures he was giving me about there's only one God. Uh, Old Testament scriptures say there's one God, A, B, and C. And uh, he told me, he said, brother, God does not have three heads. He goes on one head. He's not a monster. And I was like, okay. So I was like, so do these scriptures show what the Trinity is? And he's like, brother, there's no Trinity. And I said, okay. I said, all right. And so now what I like to do, what I deal with any argument, is I like to take both sides. If there is no Trinity, and I'm going to go back and tell my friend that the Trinity doesn't exist, let me go and research what the claim is for the Trinity and see if I can argue against it so that I can tell my friend confidently that the Trinity doesn't exist. I don't just want to go off of what this guy told me and his understanding of the scriptures. I want to research it further. So by God's grace, that same night, I went home with those lists of scriptures by me. And I went online and I began to look up the Trinity. And I came across some YouTube videos. Uh, one YouTube video was Dr. James White. And another one was Jeff Durbin. Both dealing with the Trinity. Um, Dr. James White dealing with the Forgotten Trinity. And um, Jeff Durbin... Uh, just I forgot what the name of the video was, but it was dealing with the Trinity. And watching those videos, I had my Strong's coordinates right here. I had my Bible here, and I had the list of scriptures there. And I was waiting for them to say something that I can refute it. I was waiting for Dr. James White to say something that I can go and refute him from the scripture, according to the scripture that was given to me, as well as refute his understanding of what those words meant in the underlying Greek and Hebrew. Because uh, on the God and the um, and Jesus and so on and so forth. Same thing with Jeff Durbin. What what happened was, it was something totally different. That night, as I followed them in the scripture, I saw and I witnessed and realized that I could not refute what they were saying. I saw what they were saying in the scriptures, and it matched. And they and then. They answered the, the other scriptures about how God is one and gave intelligent answers to that where I couldn't refute it. And I was like, wow, the Trinity is in the Bible. I mean, the words, they're not there, but it's there. And I was blown away. And so, I mean, I wrestled with that the whole night. And the next morning, I remember just praising God for opening my eyes to be able to see this, that this big confusion that I had concerning the Godhead is now settled in my heart. And that's one of my favorite doctrines to this day. So that probably was a little long. But hey, now you know more a little bit about me. It's cool, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's deal with this real quick. Let's look at some common objections. The common objection to the Trinity the belief that there's that we that we believe in three gods 
So you have a Trinitarian talking to a oneness and they say, you believe in three gods. There's no, we don't have, we don't believe in three gods. So that's a common objection. Now, as a Trinitarian, I'm going to be clear. We don't believe in three gods. You know, that is a logical inconsistency of what we believe and a, misrepresent a misrepresentation of what we believe. So we do not believe in three gods. Another common objection is that Jesus prayed to God or prayed to a God. And one um, particular scripture they go to is dealing with Jesus on the cross when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, we're going to look through text to show this. Uh, uh, but if you want to look at my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I would encourage you to look, to look at Psalm 22. Check it out. Check out the very first line in Psalm 22 and read the rest of Psalm 22. You'll find something interesting. Um, another one. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. And that's a common objection. I hear it all the time. And my simple answer to that, and effective, is that you don't see omniscient in the Bible. And you don't see omnipotent in the Bible. And you don't see omnipresent in the Bible. Yet, all three of these attributes are given to God. But how are they given to God? They're gained by the whole of Scripture. Not finding one word that says omnipresent. We see from the totality of Scripture that God is everywhere at the same time. We know God is all-powerful throughout the totality of Scripture. And we know God is all-knowing throughout the totality of Scripture. So this is how the doctrine of the Trinity is arrived at. So why am I doing with this now? I'm dealing with this because I'm introducing a series dealing with the Trinity. I'm going to do a series of podcasts going over specific verses that give evidence for the Trinity. We're going to do some exegesis and we're going to deal with some objections. And so this is just an intro to that. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Now, I'm not going to do all the verses in one podcast. Like I said, it'll be a series. So next week, I'll probably take one verse, exegete that, show the uh, evidence for the Trinity here. And move on to the next week and while dealing with some objections. So what you can do is in the meantime, you can leave comments of objections you may have to the doctrine of the Trinity. Or if you are Trinitarian, verses that show without a shadow of a doubt that there's, there's a plurality in the Godhead. Cool. And so, yeah, so these are things we're going to deal with. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. If you're a oneness Pentecostal, I really, really want you to pay attention. I really, really want you to listen. You know, I don't want you to be turned away. I want you to engage with this information. I want you to give input. I too was oneness until I was given the evidence. So uh, if you if you have the Holy Spirit within you, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. And that's my prayer. All right. So let's think about this. So now I'm going to give you a basic definition of the doctrine of the Trinity and what we believe. Okay. So we believe in one God, one God, not three, but one God, one God. 
I'm going to say that again. One God that exists as three co-equal and co-eternal persons. So, one God and three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three are co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful. They share the same essence, but they're one God. Okay? Okay? So if you say that Trinitarians believe in three gods, you're misrepresenting us. You are. All right, so now you have to deal with the arguments that's given. You have to deal with the information that's given. You can't uh, argue straw men. If we don't believe it, then why are you trying to argue it? So saying that we believe in three gods is a straw man fallacy. Don't do it. You have to prove that we don't believe in one God. But throughout scripture, we believe in one God. Monotheism. All right. So that one being is shared by three co-equal and co-eternal persons. Now, when it comes to God, and what I see a lot of people misunderstand is they see God, the word God, as being a name of a person. But God is simply the existence. God is what? So we believe in one what? Keep throwing up two. <laughs> so God is one what? And three who's. All right? So there's persons. So one being, three persons. Now, this means we have to define some terms. What does it mean to be a being or to have being? What does it mean to have person or personhood? So let's look at that. So when it comes to um, the term being, it is the quality or state of having existence. So the fact that we know there is an existence, a supreme, a superior existence, that's the being. And that existence is called God. We call him God. Now, the, those three persons, they share the same essence. Now, this essence is the properties or attributes by means of which something can be placed in its proper class or identified as being what it is. So, the attributes that go along with God cannot be attributed to, to animals. The attributes that go with God cannot be attributed to human beings. This is fact. So, this is the essence of God. Those attributes... Just like the omnipresence, the omniscience, you know, being creator of all things. Like, these are attributes that are only given to God and no one else. All right? So, that's the, that's the essence of who, of who God is, of what God is. Now, let's look at person. So, in order for um, somebody to have personhood, they have to have these qualities. And you notice when I read off these qualities... These are qualities that you and I share as human beings. So, one those qualities are self-awareness. We have choice. We can reason. We have the ability to love. Possessing a will and consciousness. And so, we possess these things as well. Now, we are human beings. Now, being human shows our shows that we are limited. 
So we can't exist the same way God exists because we're in a different class. We don't share the same essence. And this is what people uh, get thrown off about concerning the doctrine of the Trinity. They view God as humans are. If I, being a human being, if I have three heads, that is an abnormality. That's abnormal. I'm not supposed to have three heads. So therefore, I'd be considered a freak, a monster. I'm human. But see, God is not human. He's not like us. He's spirit. And so we limit God to being with our finite minds can only uh, contextualize and can only uh, conceive as if God is conceivable. He's not. He's inconceivable. Like there are, there are things about God that we may never know. And so to limit him in a way that our finite minds can figure him out is already a bad sign of us making a God uh, of our own image and not allowing God to be what, who he says he is. Okay? So now, as this series goes on, this is what I'm going to try to accomplish. From Scripture, from Bible, I'm going to attempt to show you how we know there's one God and how each person has personhood. We're going to show the Father having personhood, the Son having, having personhood, the Holy Spirit having personhood. So a lot of people think the Holy Spirit is just some kind of active force. That's what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, actually. They believe that the Holy Spirit is just an active force. He's not a person. So I'm going to show from Scripture how the Holy Spirit is personal. He has the will. You know what I'm saying? It's also, he has consciousness. But we're going to also show how the quality of being the same essence of God exists for the Father, for the Son, and the Holy Spirit separately. So if Jesus, separate from the Father, has essence of God, then he too is God. Same with the Holy Spirit and same with the Father. And so when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the Godhead, one God, three who's, three persons. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth. So these distinctions have to be made. So I have to show in Scripture that there's a plurality in the Godhead, a, plural, a plurality of persons in the Godhead. And so that's what we're going to do. So stick around, stay tuned, subscribe. Um, hit that notification bell so you can be notified and therefore you can uh, chime in and you can tune into the conversation. Uh, I'm taking my time with this. I'm not going to rush it. So every week I'm going to be doing something and I may add on another topic on top of what we're dealing with. But every week we're going to be looking at a scripture that's showing the Trinity. And so uh, you have an opportunity to deal with all of that, uh, to engage with it. And I look forward to it. I do. Like I said, this is this is exciting to me. I love this. So, question of the day. For my Trinitarians out there, what scripture shows the personhood of the Holy Spirit? You can give me just one. For the first five people who give that comment and gets it right, there's going to be a prize. So, hey, give comments. Let me know. Um, if you don't believe in the Trinity, then you can leave a comment and say, I don't agree with your Trinitarian doctrine. 
Please don't say it came from Nasia. Please. Um, but yeah. So make sure you leave your comments below. Let me know what you think. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Check out the video to the side for more prescribed truth. Check out the t-shirt. What is the context? And remember, in a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings.